With frequent wildfires contributing to airborne pollution and the fall allergy season upon us, it's time to buttress your respiratory health with Breathe Clear from my friends at NT Factor. Breathe Clear with NT Factor combines the benefits of NT Factor's breakthrough lipids formula with powerful bioflavonoids and amino acids. Together, they've been shown to restore energy, repair the damage to cells caused by wildfire pollution, decrease allergic reactions, reduce sinus congestion, and open blood vessels. Breathe Clear with NT Factor is the best formulation available for tackling both allergies and the free radical damage caused by wildfire smoke. For a limited time, buy one container of NT Factor Limits Powder and get a bottle of Breathe Clear with NT Factor free. That's a $27 value. Just go to ntfactor.com, that's ntfactor.com, or call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158. Arm yourself with the protective power of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get Breathe Clear with NT Factor absolutely free and breathe freely while supporting your body's fight against allergies and free radicals. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Turns out that September is, wait for this, kitties, it's Cholesterol Education Month. So, appropriately, we're going to do a primer on cholesterol and heart health with one of my favorite go-to communicators on subjects related to health and nutrition. He's Jim Laval. Uh, Jim is a registered pharmacist, uh, certified clinical nutritionist, and an internationally recognized clinical pharmacist, author, board-certified clinical nutritionist, and he has a naturopathic doctorate, also more than 30 years of clinical experience. Uh, he works as a consultant to uh, sports teams and uh, industry, uh, developing programs uh, to optimize health. And he's frequently called upon to lecture. And, you know, and Jim, if I read your entire CV here, uh, we'd expand about half the podcast. So I'm going to dispense with that. Uh, <laughs> our listeners are familiar with you. Also, I want to apologize in advance because um, I live near the UN. And once a year, there's this big thing where uh, all the diplomats and freeloaders of the world converge on my area. And as you can hear in the background, uh, there's that whoop, whoop of, uh, you know, various... Uh, Dignitaries being conveyed in motorcades uh, hither and thither and yon. So we're going to be, we might have a little background noise, but, and, and that's, and recognize that I'm on the 21st floor with soundproofed windows. So that's how bad it is. You know, those of you who don't live in New York, you're lucky. <laughs> okay. So with that being said, um, so it turns out that uh, over 86 million American adults have high cholesterol. So, uh, how would you categorize yourself, uh, Jim? Are you a, a, a cholesterol believer? Or are you a cholesterol denialist? Because uh, there's a lot of skepticism that's been applied to this kind of simplistic model that cholesterol is the be-all and end-all of cardiovascular risk. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that I'm in the middle of the road. I think that it's not the be-all end-all, that there's a lot of different factors that affect your cardiovascular disease risk. And then if you look at the data in the largest trials, cholesterol is not the biggest risk factor. The autonomic nervous system dysfunction is the biggest risk factor that, that shows heightened risk. Hmm. But I also don't believe that if you've got 
really high cholesterol. And because of your lifestyle, you're making a lot of bad actor lipids. You know, you're, you're, you're shaping and molding fractions of your cholesterol that are unfriendly to you. They're hostile and inflammatory, but that's going to play a role in your future cardiovascular disease risk. But, you know, in and of itself to say that it's the end all be all, just not, you know, it's just not accurate. You know, you've got stress and, you know, metabolic inflammation that triggers these problems, even in normal cholesterol individuals, even in normal cholesterol individuals um, that may or not be laying down plaque, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I think I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of the road on it, realizing that, you know, cholesterol is a broad topic. We've got to, we kind of got to break it down. We've got to cut that pie down a little bit and say, well, is it, you know, is it that you have small particle lipids? Is it that you're making more of the, you know, the bad actor apolipoproteins? You know, what, you know, where are you at in the way you make cholesterol? And then I think that has meaning. I mm-hmm. think there's some value there for people. But clearly, if you look at the numbers needed to treat on a typical statin medication, I think it's at 99, which mm-hmm. that means, you know, 99 people got to take it before one person gets a benefit, right? right? And, and, so, it, it, and it kind of depends on who you target, I, because if you target, you know, yeah, like the average right. person whose cholesterol is slightly high and they haven't developed heart disease, this is called pri- uh, primary prevention. In other words, uh, preventing anything from developing uh, before there are any signs of cardiovascular disease, just some possibly some risk factors. That's, you know, 98 people have to be treated for that 99th person to uh to avoid what's called a MACE, a major adverse cardiovascular event. But then, I mean, say somebody's had a heart attack. Somebody has sky-high cholesterol, cholesterol like, you know, 450. Someone has this, like a devastating family history. You know, their brothers and their fathers and grandfathers had cardiovascular disease. Um, That gets our attention, right? That's right. It does. And, you know, the, the thing that we know is that you know, you, you're going to reduce some risk. You know, I'm not here to pick on statin medications. You're going to reduce some risk. I mean, we know that, it, for example, it lowers oxidized LDL as it pertains to the kidneys and it helps to spare kidney function. Um, so I, you know, I think that in the end, what the story needs to really be about with, with cholesterol is, you know, what are the lifestyle factors? You know, there are people that have genetic you know, propensity, that's a fact. Um, what's the environmental factors, right? Things like lead are an issue. Um, you know, and then, you know, am I exercising or not? You know, and, you know, you, you start to pull all these things together and now you can start to see the, you know, the value of, okay, your cholesterol's off by 20 points. Now you got a 120 LDL instead of a 100. Well, you know, depending on what's going on there, that might not be the biggest thing that's, that's mm-hmm. holding you back from your health. But at the same time, I see a lot of people where you, you don't do a, say an advanced lipid profile where you look at the size of the lipids and you look at the, you know, how much of it is oxidized or, how sticky is there is the person's blood? You know, you don't kind of get a complete picture. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of times that's what happens. People just get an HDL and LDL and a total mm-hmm. cholesterol, yeah. and that's it. And I think they're missing a lot of the the risk that goes with that. Yeah, 
and you know, it's I call it paint by numbers medicine. It's like you know, easy to follow uh, recipe for how you treat patients with a with a bias towards. Yeah, pretty much everybody uh, could benefit from a statin. I mean, it's a, it's the rare person who's got virgin uh, arteries, uh, no risk factors, and uh, okay, maybe we'll leave a, like you know thirty percent of the population alone, but everybody else gets on statins. Is the way it seems to be these days, right. kind of unselectively, because we know uh, that some people with relatively low cholesterol. Uh, have heart attacks. We also know that some people with you know, pretty darn high cholesterol, and I have many in my practice, especially older women, it seems, uh, whose cholesterol may be yeah. you know, 270, 310, um, but also usually have high HDL cholesterol uh, and right. don't have other risk factors. And, and they seem to be fine. Uh, and uh, to this, we might add uh, imaging, because I think it's really important because Somebody comes in and say their cholesterol is a little high. You know, you mentioned the LDL. Well, the LDL is supposed to be ideally, uh, you know, less than uh, 130, uh, even more aggressively. They want it under 100. Well, that alone doesn't tell you whether the person has plaque in their artery. So we sometimes recommend a, a coronary artery calcium scoring test. Simple test. It's done with a CT scanner that's specially adapted. And we get a number. And the number is zero. I mean, I had that test done when I was 65. I was a little reluctant to get it done, but my girlfriend said, hey, you know, I'm going for one of these tests. Why don't you come along? I said, well, do I really want to know? I, she said, come on, suck it up, get tested. And I did, and I was glad I did because it was reassuring because I had zero plaque. Now, this notwithstanding, a cholesterol that's a little on the high side. My cholesterol, you know, sometimes ranges, uh, you know, 200 and change. And, you know, my HDL is pretty good at 60 or 70. But uh, you don't know until you look. You know, sometimes uh, people with relatively good numbers have plaque. Sometimes people with really bad numbers have virtually none. That's exactly right. And and that's that whole concept of it's one piece of the puzzle. You know, I always try to explain to people that their health is like a mosaic. And you could, you know, your cholesterol could be, you know, quote, bad. And yet, and I've seen this, like, they have zero plaque. They've got high lipids, but they don't have other, you know, issues that are causing any problem. And then to your point, there's people that have zero plaque and they still have a heart attack. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's obvious. It's that, that, obvious that's true. That, and let's actually do a little, a little bit of a, a dive on that subject because some people who are skeptics about the coronary artery scoring say, hey, even if you have a low score, you could still have problems. Well, probabilistically, your risk is low, but it's not, it's not zero. So there is this notion now that you need more sophisticated testing sometimes to pick up what's called soft plaque, which isn't visualized with the right. ordinary tests. And there's some new state-of-the-art tests that are able to discriminate between hard plaque and soft plaque. Um, so an argument could be made that you, you don't get a free ride with a, a relatively low score. But Statistically, a score of zero or a score in the low single digits, uh, that you're pretty much in pretty the clover. Good. You're pretty much in the clover. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, those sophisticated scans, it's called a clearly scan, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the, yep. the, one of the really new nice. hot things that are mm -hmm. out there. And, and it's value, right? It's one of them. And it's got a lot of value. But, and at the same time, you know, you, you want, I think people need to understand, and once again, in several of the big trials, 
it was that, uh, you know, when you're stuck in sympathetic dominance and you lose your heart rate variability. So when you're stuck in fight or flight, when I say sympathetic dominance, yep. that means you're stuck in white tiger syndrome all day long. And your brain literally starts to remodel the way it's signaling your heart to beat. So heart rate goes up. Rhythmicity of your heart is off. There's supposed to be a little bit of chaos in each of those those rhythm to rhythm beats, right? Mm-hmm. That's why it's called heart rate variability. Variability. In other words, it should not and, be just like like the the ticking of a of a clock. You know, it should there should be a little bit of of ebb and flow of the heart rate, which shows some suppleness or adaptability of your autonomic nervous system. That's exactly right. And then when you add to that something as simple as vitamin or mineral deficiency. So for example, if you had low myocardial, meaning muscle tissue in your heart, co coenzyme Q10. CoQ10 is needed to make that, you know, heart muscle fire. And probably the biggest factor, magnesium. I mean, you know, magnesium is as much as 90% of the U.S. population is supposed to have, you know, considered to have a functional deficiency, meaning they, they got some magnesium in them, but they don't have enough to, to function optimally. Right. And that's, that's another big issue. And, you know, another one would be high cortisol because cortisol drives a lot of that stress response and it starts to alter how your thyroid hormones start to signal your heart to beat. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's, it's really important. I mean, first of all, cholesterol is important. Yes. Um, reducing oxidized LDL. I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, limit oxidized, oxidated so, stress. So, so, so we're slicing and dicing. So not just looking at LDL, because the LDL is, a, everybody's like fixated on LDL, you know, get that LDL down. But it we can discriminate between LDL that's not so bad and LDL that is really a culprit in cardiovascular disease, right? That's exactly right. And then slice and dice it more and look at what's called the apolipoproteins, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Which are also going to play a factor. So you've got kind of the good ones, apolipoprotein A, and the more hostile ones, apolipoprotein B. You have one called lipoprotein little a, which uh, if your blood sugars are high, you're, you're diabetic or you're pre-diabetic, that tends to go up and that's strongly correlated to um, plaque. And, but but and it's a little less disease. amenable to lifestyle change from what I understand. Uh, you know, you can go on the most stringent diet and it, it's, it's more of a genetic factor than uh, a merit system, the, the LP little a. And in fact, they just uh, are developing new drugs that are designed to knock down uh, LP little a by as, you know, 60, 70%. Uh, these are, you know, going to be the new kids on the block from cardiovascular prevention. Because if you, if you take a statin, it's not going to do anything to lower your LP little a. In fact, it may slightly raise it. And then you're left kind of uh, high and dry. You know, you lowered your cholesterol, but you another risk factor is putting you in the crosshairs. That's exactly right. And, you know, and interestingly, one of our favorite um, ingredients, aged garlic extract, actually has been shown to lower LP little way. Oh, that's fascinating. So that's a, you know, yeah, exactly. 
And and I, I have to say that we do get it to move, and, and I don't have a good reason why, other than I think that you know the way I know you work and the way uh, we work in our clinics is that we're trying to correct for all the negatives, right? We're going to check the box on what are you doing wrong, and what are you doing right, and let's try to get as many of those checks that are on the wrong side over to the right side, and when we do that. Uh, with corrective nutrients. Now we'll see some, we can see some pretty decent changes in that LP little way. Um, and, and I think that just goes back to heart disease is a disease of lifestyle. It really is. It's what, it's what we do to ourselves, eating, exercise, stress, diet, um, you know, sleep. Right. Cause you know, if you have apnea or you just don't sleep, that's a big problem and not sleep well, that is. Um, and so, you know, those are, those are big factors that drive well, what, you know, what's putting me at, at risk for heart disease. And I think it, it really is a lifestyle disease. And yes, there's some people with genetic predispositions if they, have certain genes like an APOE gene SNPs, like, you know, they're called like three, four, or four, four gene SNPs, and you're eating a lot of saturated fat that can come from coconut oil or it could come from animal meat. Um, that can drive more inflammatory chemistry that, that kind of damages the inner lining of your arteries, known as the, obviously the glycocalyx, um, which then leads to dropping some plaque as that cholesterol is being deposited in your in your arteries uh you know that's when the macrophages of your immune system get out there and attack that and create a hardened plaque you know i i suspect you know i look at a lot of the studies and some of the studies say you know exonerate coconut oil and other studies say it's problematic for cardiovascular disease and some studies say that you know high fat dairy is fine even beneficial and some studies say no it's not and some studies look at eggs and you know egg yolks and they're all over the place and i suspect the problem with looking at uh, a single food uh, or looking at a population as a whole and making a recommendation that people shouldn't eat egg yolks or people shouldn't have coconut oil uh, is that we don't individualize it enough. I think that there may be some people who have genetic susceptibilities and they're beginning to do studies like that. They're beginning to look at uh, the whatever genes predisposed to cardiovascular disease or high cholesterol or inflammation right. or you know, any of these other things. And they're finding that in susceptible individuals... They need to be careful. Right. But in the vast majority of people who don't have these uh, multiple risk factors, um, there's less, a little less of a concern. Uh, and, you know, that's sort of the way I define my diet because I, you know, I've, I've done due diligence. I've had my arteries checked. Um, I think my other risk factors are in order in terms of exercise, weight, inflammation, etc. Um, and so I have a varied diet that does include some of these taboo fats uh, where I don't think that they're going to have a deleterious effect. I totally agree with you. And, I, and, it, and it's interesting because I'll have people come in that are doing kind of a ketogenic diet and they're drinking a lot of full cream and yeah. mm-hmm. butter and avocado and coconut and, and they're fine. But then I have people come Bulletproof in coffee, that are doing you know, that. with, with uh, ghee. Yeah, and it, all that. Know. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then I have people that do that and their lipids are terrible and their inflammatory markers in their 
bloodstream are terrible. And so I totally agree with you that it, it's really, especially in this area of like, you know, can you tolerate saturated fat or not? And what's that effect on your, on your heart disease risk? I, I really do believe there's a big genetic component to that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the big debate. Is 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 cholesterol and cardiovascular risk is a merit system or is it genetic? Are you genetically predisposed and uh, therefore, uh, you know, we need to, you know, seek outside help with medication and, you know, unique treatments to fix our faulty genes? Or, or is it, you know, as some people claim, it's it's all about lifestyle. It's like, yeah, you know, get on a really good diet and you'll be fine. Forget about, uh, you know, all these other uh, highfalutin interventions. Well, and, and, and honestly, I mean, once again, I'm this middle of the road guy that goes, it all matters. Yep. If you eat, if you eat perfect, I eat perfect. Yep. But you're stressing out over being perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We, we, we call uh, that orthorexia. That, we call that orthorexia, which is a great term. Right. 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 Uh, you know, if you're if you're that person, the the that attitude and mindset can be every bit as detrimental as to the worry over the food. And and so I think, you know, the more you can learn about your health, the more you can start to shape this. Look, cardiovascular disease is our number one killer. You know, by far. Um, and the more you can learn about what's right for you, like I'm one of those people that can't do sat fat. Mm-hmm. When I do saturated fat, my lipid profile looks okay. terrible. Okay. I mean, I've done it, and believe me, I'm Italian. I want to be able to eat cheese, yeah. and I want to be able to have my super fat, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to, I, I, you know, when I was, I wasn't eating ketogenic, but I would say I was eating low, low carb, lots of plant based food, but not being afraid of fats. I couldn't get my stinking lipids correct. Yeah. And then I checked my genes. I was a, I was a three four, APOE three four. Okay. And I know I have a lot of the, the genes for so, diabetes. So the, I know the, I have some of the other genes a, for heart a, disease. A bit of a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and even cognitive decline. So the, you have to be a little careful. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, look at pond one genes and all those other genes that, you know, are kind of interactive in that cardiovascular spectrum. I happen to hit the lottery for all the genes that are going to make me have heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I hit the lottery. And, but, you know, actually, so, I, there's, um, speaking to that issue, there there was recently a study. Now, I think it came about a year or two ago, and you, you might have seen it, but uh, I'll remind you. Uh, the study looked at people with something called a GWAS, which is gene-wide association. Uh, for uh, many of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And these were inflammatory genes. They were clotting genes. These were lipid right. genes, you know, all the kind of bad, the so-called bad genes, uh, obesity, blood sugar, blah, blah, blah. You know, so like, I don't know, maybe 40, 50, 60 or, or more things. And so they grouped them and they, they looked at the people with the worst genes. And they found that the people with the worst genes who were on the best lifestyle had outcomes comparable to people with the best genes who are on the not so good lifestyle. So you see, so you, one can overcome, and I think that's, that's where you're coming from, uh, one's genetic, uh, legacy, uh, to, to, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say that I want to have 
the outcome by living my healthy lifestyle is someone with good genes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right? Because I, I have the bad ones. But but you know it's only going to get so good. So you got to you got to be diligent and kind of measure measure. And that's the other thing. People are afraid to get their blood test. And there's no way for you to work on it. You know, meaning your lipids and you know, look. I never look at lipids alone anyway. I'm always looking at other inflammatory yep. markers that are associated with them. And especially I look at glucose and insulin because, sure. you know, but you, it, the other pieces you got to look at, well, what's driving elevated cholesterol? Well, the first step is, is it could be the fact that you're insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're insulin resistant, you make more bad active lipids. Uh, when you're under high stress, I remember the Wall Street Journal had a big article on it. You know, um, high stress levels associated with elevated cholesterol wow. and i think the other thing we have to think about is you know cholesterol is not necessarily bad you got to make testosterone with your yes. cholesterol cholesterol helps to repair your cell membranes of your brain so i mean there's that fact of well gee too high is bad but too low is bad so i'm a little concerned about how low we're driving lipids yes. with as aggressive a therapies is what's going on and you know so i you know i guess in the end, I'm a centrist on most things, trying to understand, you know, too much bad, too little bad. Um, you know, cholesterol can be bad, but doesn't have to be bad. Uh, but I think for everyone, you know, they, they want to start thinking about their body as this whole breathing metabolic machine where systems are speaking to each other. And the more they can unify the, the the communication of non-inflammatory, meaning the immune system isn't ticked off. I'm not throwing out a bunch of inflammatory cytokines. Um, hor- you know, hormonal regulation and nutrient integrity. The more we can get people to understand that, you know, they're they're in control of those dials for the most part. Probably it varies, but you know, you 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 would hear that you know genes could be as little as ten percent, as many as. 20% of your global risk, right? Um, and I, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we, you know, we, we lose sight of when we talk about cholesterol, just like, you know, there's bad, there's good. If you got too much bad and not enough good, you're going to need medicated. Mm-hmm. And, and even look, you can change lipids dramatically by aggress- an aggressive walk every day. Walk for an hour and a half or an hour a day. And you'll see your lipids start to remodel for you. Mm-hmm. The HDL will go up with the exercise effect. The triglycerides will come down, which in turn affects the cholesterol, especially the, the bad cholesterol. Uh, and there you have it. All right. Uh, when we return, I, you know, I want to focus uh, you know, specifically on some uh, nutrients. I know that one of your favorites is uh, H garlic extract. Uh, and how it works on a uh, multiplicity of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease, not just lowering cholesterol like, like statins do. That's kind of a laser-like effect on blocking cholesterol synthesis. But uh, we need a kind of a broad-based approach to addressing, you know, all the risk factors we've talked about in this uh, segment. So in part two, uh, we'll talk about uh, uh, some of the supplements that are beneficial, uh, not just aged garlic extract. Uh, heads up to uh, this is that uh, Kyolic aged garlic extract formulas are available at local natural health retailers nationwide and online. They're a sponsor. You can find them online at kyolic.com. 
uh, or you can call 1-800-421-2998 for information. And they got a full uh, range of products that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the products that are keyed to cardiovascular prevention when we return. Our guest uh, is a multifaceted uh, communicator, uh, Jim Laval, uh, who uh, will join us for part two as we continue our discussion about uh, Cholesterol Education Month. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.